you are listening to a podcast from The National. Saudi Arabia has revealed its 2019 annual budget, the largest ever for the kingdom and the latest effort to spur economic growth and transformation. You are listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. In a moment, we'll talk to Samrat Khan, the company and markets editor for the paper. Uh, but let me just tell you that coming up later is an interview with Greg Hucker, who's the founder and chief executive of Maharati in Dubai. And Chris Nelson talked to him about the realities, both good and bad, but mainly good, about the gig economy. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, Saudi Arabia, the biggest economy in the Arab region, um, has estimated that next year's spending will be over 1.1 trillion rials, which is more than the, the budget for 2018 and quite a boost for the economic prospects. Now, I spoke to uh, our man reporting on the story, story Sermad Khan, uh, the Nationals Company and Markets Editor, uh, to ask him you know, what was expected and what actually did we get uh, when the budget was announced. So, Saramed, we had the uh, Saudi Arabia's budget uh, released. Um, it was uh, bigger than last year, but maybe you can give us a bit of a breakdown on what the numbers were exactly. Well, yeah, it's, uh, last year was 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 a record, but Riyadh has topped it uh, with with 2019 budget. It's actually their uh, second expansionary budget, where the government uh, seems very keen on increasing spending to stimulate the economy. Uh, the budget was pretty much in line with the pre-budget expectations uh, the Ministry of Finance had released at the end of September. There are really few differences, uh, but it's pretty much in line with what the government had uh, had uh, had released uh, a couple of months ago. Oh, any of the any of the the data that came out in terms of um, revenues or spending that stood out for you in terms of the numbers. Expenditure is a is a is a is a, is a big one really because uh, for 2019 uh, they are expecting uh, to spend about 1.106 trillion riyals, which is seven percent more uh, than 2018. Government uh, expects to spend uh, 193 billion riyals on education alone, uh, and they are they have allocated uh, 119 billion riyals on defense, uh, which is slightly lower than uh, what they have done last year. And they are planning to spend about 120, 172 billion riyals on health and, and social development. And uh, the government is actually continuing uh, with the with the social handouts uh, uh, for the citizens to uh, to bring the the cost of the burden of cost of uh, living down as well, which was a, a pre uh, budget statement uh, decree carried by SPA. And uh, the, the expectation is, it seems, uh, from what the uh, Minister of Finance, Mohammed Al-Jadan, was saying, that they think there'll be more oil revenues next year as well. I, mean, I guess this is based on um, where they expect crude prices to be. Um, but also there was there was an expectation of, of higher non-oil growth as well in general, which has to be good news. It is good news. Well, if, if you if you look at uh, the budget last year and 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 uh, and what they have uh, announced for 2019, so 2019 they're expecting 975 billion riyals, which is nine percent more than 2018, and they are expecting uh, the revenues to grow uh, to reach 1.045 trillion riyals uh, by 2021, with an average annual growth rate of six percent. And the government said that in and, uh, in their medium-term uh, uh, estimates, which they released, revenues from oil 
uh, came in uh, at 662 billion riyals uh, for 2019 versus 617 billion riyals in 2018. Uh, Non-oil GDP, as as you mentioned, uh, they're expecting it to grow uh, by 2.5% in 2019 versus 2.3% in 2018. And yes, you you rightly said uh, oil prices is going to be the key and uh, you know if you if you look at the uh, how they are going to to meet their fiscal expectations uh, is it really depends on on how the oil prices are are going to play because there will be 1.2 million uh, uh, barrels per day cut announced by OPEC plus members uh, but I am assuming that Ministry of Finance is, is certainly hoping that the cuts would uh, prop up the prices. Uh, yeah, um, we've, see, we, we've seen an average of, of uh, a higher average this year than, than last, and, and prices are currently above $60 a barrel. Um, and, and so I, the assumption would be that they wouldn't go much lower than that, I guess, to, to sustain the forecasts for spending. Uh, it really year. depends on, on, on who you speak with. For example, uh, Al-Raji Capital, which is uh, based in Riyadh, they estimate that the if the government... Um, will be able to achieve their uh, revenue targets for 2019. The oil price uh, needs to average uh, $70.70 a barrel. Uh, But if you uh, look at the research released by uh, Japanese lender MUFG, they think that uh, uh, it's it's overly ambitious budget statement because they think that they need the government actually needs 78 to 80 uh, barrels, uh, sorry, dollars per, per barrel oil price to be able to to get their budget targets. Uh, and and the ministry never releases its own calculations on on which oil price they are basing their uh, budget at. So different people with different thoughts and different estimates, uh, of course, different uh, uh, ways of calculating. Uh, the, the budget and uh, and the oil price as well. And the Saudi leadership, what was their their message um, upon the release of, of this? As you, you quite rightly pointed out, there's going to be continuing um, social spending. Uh, state and military employees are going to get a thousand rials a month living allowance. Um, that was mentioned, and and, and were, were the leadership f- focusing on 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 those kind of things when they were talking about the budget? Well, if you if you look at uh, uh, the the statement released by uh, by King Salman and his uh, his public address on on state TV, he said the budget is is focused on all regions and all sectors. But if you uh, look at uh, the statement released by Crown Prince, who is actually the the force behind all the economic overall that the kingdom is actually going through now, his focus is uh, is on social spending. And he pointed out that the social spending is going to represent about uh, 42% of the total expenditure in 2019. Uh, he's very keen on uh, development and modernization of infrastructure, uh, government services, and uh, most of all, improve the efficiency of fiscal management, how the kingdom is going to manage its its fiscal policy. That's that's the message from the leadership. So King Salman, uh, sort of broad overview of, of ensuring that the the whole country will, will will get the effect of this record spending planned for next year, and, and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman talking in a bit more detail about where that money is going to go. Uh, but what was the response from uh, economists and analysts um, uh, following that? Well, it's it's, it's 
clearly a, a budget aimed at uh, uh, stimulating private sector. And if you uh, look at the post-budget uh, uh, tweet from uh, Esan Buholega, who is an economist and a former Shura member, uh, he tweeted that the fiscal policy aims to focus on spending priorities with social and economic returns on operational expenditures, such as the citizen accounts we, we just uh, uh, briefly spoke about, private sector motivation, and uh, realize the programs which have been uh, uh, underlined in, uh, in Vision 2030, their uh, overarching broad economic transformation program. So, I mean, it's still the, the idea of the ambition, um, Saudi Vision 2030, the, the, the transformation of the non-oil sector, pushing ahead with these reforms. So there's very much a budget that supports that, and that's, and that's the emphasis. And, and how about the, the investment banks that, that are looking at Saudi? Are they, are they saying the same things? has a, a positive vibe to it, uh, but different people have uh, have different views on it. Uh, like I said, uh, MUFG has, uh, they think this is like sort of an over-ambitious statement and uh, it is all dependent on, on uh, too many unknowns. But generally speaking, when you look at uh, the budget deficit being cut for the second year in a row, uh, economy is, is expected to grow by 2.6%. The economy as a whole, I'm speaking here, uh, to grow by 2.6% in 2019 versus 2.3 in 2018. Uh, physical deficit, uh, which was actually expected, it's, it's lower than what the expectations were at the beginning of 2018, uh, at 4.6% of the GDP. And uh, it is further falling to 4.2% uh, of GDP next year. Uh, if you look at the forward-looking statement, the government expects physical deficit to reach 3.7% of the GDP in 2021, and the budget balancing by 2023. So yes, there is a positive vibe to it. But you know, in the, in, in the short term, different people look at it with different perspectives and 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 how they uh, how they view the unknown, the biggest unknown of uh, oil prices. Uh, well, I mean, certainly the uh, you know, as, as you in your piece at the National um, you talk about how um, you know the Saudi economy is very much driven by government spending. Uh, they've done their bit. They've announced uh, you know ex expanded spending for 2019. Um, but perhaps that will help with sentiment. Will will help fuel the private sector investment that's required as well uh, to keep activity going. But on the geopolitical front as well, you have um, you know promising peace talks in Yemen. Yemen is an expensive. Um, uh, aspect to uh, for Saudi Arabia. So if if that was a reduction of that spending as well, that's going to help the economy uh, going forward. So I'm, I'm guessing that 2019 is looking pretty good, at least from this side of it. Yes, from the government side of it, it is uh, it's quite optimistic. And uh, yes, I mean, uh, looking at the budget and, and second extensionary budget uh, in a in a row, it should boost investor confidence definitely. Sermit Khan, the Nationals' company and markets editor. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Mustafa. More business extra in just a moment, but first allow me to tell you about the Nationals' other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And the Cricket Pod is where our experts shine a spotlight on the gentleman's game. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio content. Find us as always at thenational.ae. Greg Hooker is the founder and chief executive of Maharati, a recently launched online marketplace based in Dubai that connects businesses looking for specific short-term talent and those with the skills to help. 
My name's Chris Nelson, and I spoke to the serial entrepreneur about the rise of the digital workplace and how so-called gig workers, for whom the Maharati service is free, can best sell their in-demand skills in this region and beyond. Greg, you're a technology entrepreneur and an e-commerce specialist, and you worked on startups across the Middle East, um, Australia, Africa, and the Philippines. Um, your group buying Portal Cabone was uh, acquired by Tiger Global in 2013. How, how did that come about? Look, we started uh, Cabone, uh, I think one of those golden eras of e-commerce. Um, it was brand new into the region, so we had a really uh, big head start. Um, we were well-funded. Um, by another set of global entrepreneurs who had a number of Kabons replicated around the globe. So we had a lot of uh, internal learnings that we mm. could draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we surrounded ourselves with a great team. And I think that's that's what, what really happened. We, yeah. we found the right people. We had a marketing budget that allowed us to rapidly accelerate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we caught the attention of some, you know, some big uh, international uh, buyers. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was how, fantastic. How much did they take that off your hands for? You, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell me if you Yeah, don't no, that. I'm still under some uh, discla- disclaimers there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, you also provided uh, what is described as a strategic techno- technology uplift uh, for Amar Group in Egypt um, ahead of their $240 million uh, IPO. What did that actually involve? Yeah, it was super cool. Um, it was just before I did uh, Kabon.com, so it was a it was a nice movement from Egypt back into Dubai. Um, a privately owned family run company mm-hmm. in in Egypt, mm-hmm. very very large, uh, mostly with construction work. Um, so they owned communities, they built communities, um, they owned a lot of the um, American franchises like Chili's. Um, okay. and they built theme parks. They were really, you know, this huge uplift, uh, for Egypt. Yeah. And so my role was to come in and really sort out the, the tech, right. uh, systems, processes, policies, uh, to the point where they were going to pass, uh, through an IPO, okay. which was just a, another great experience yeah, to, sure. to be able to take a company, a homegrown company, yeah. uh, and accelerate into the international platform. And Amara was the, uh, at that stage, the only, uh, company to have listed on the stock exchange. Okay, right. And now, of course, you've uh, you've set up and uh, and run Maharati, um, the online skills marketplace based out of Dubai. Um, can you just give us a background on on how you set it up and most of the point why you set it up? Sure. Look, it's uh, you know I'd like to say we had these really cool stories about it, um, but it was literally from from need uh, initially. Mm. So I've been in the region quite a number of years, 10 in fact, and started a lot of companies and also helped a lot of companies transform from, you know, retail to e-tail and that digital transformation. So, um, you know, when you're in startup mode, you're looking to be lean, you're looking to get the best talent you can, mm-hmm. uh, you're looking to rapidly accelerate into the marketplace to, to try and get the attention of investors. Um, and it's very hard to do that sometimes when you're bootstrapping. Mm-hmm. Um, and our struggle was always, my struggle was always to find that on-demand contingent workplace. So yeah. it was probably a little closer to home. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these portals have been around for some time internationally, mm-hmm. um, but there was nothing like it in, in the region. So we saw a need, we saw a gap in the market as well. Uh, we launched uh, February this year. So mm-hmm. we're still kind of in that startup, uh, yeah. you know, mode, listening yeah. to our consumers and trying yeah. to figure out what's best. For the next steps and what what actually uh, uh, does Maharati do? I mean, what what it is? What's its modus operandi? It's kind of cool. The name itself in Arabic gives it away, um, yeah. which means my skills. Yeah. So we do a lot more marketing uh, on the name and the brand to uh, non-Arabic people because we have to say what it is. Yeah. Um, 
put really simply, it's an online marketplace where you can sell and buy skills. Okay. So on the seller side, um, you know, we traditionally say freelancers. Um, we've modified that term and we've created something ourselves called micro lancers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, which I think fits our model a little, little better. Uh, tasks in the micro sense that can be done in under thirty days, right. which okay. also helps out our freelancers slash micro lancers got to get paid quicker. Mm -hmm. um, and we acquire uh, our freelancers into the community, and we're looking for, you know, students, young people, uh, stay-at-home mums, mm -hmm. um, the elderly. It's really an all-inclusive uh, style platform. And is is there uh, are there are there set sort of um, skills requirement that you mainly look out for? I mean, are, are you looking for for tech specialists or or I don't know, design specialists or? So we have nine high-level categories: things mm. like uh, design, programming, uh, fun and lifestyle, mm -hmm. um, and then we have 110 subcategories. So it's super, super wide. And we did that rather than concentrate on a single uh, digital service mm -hmm. because we wanted to to grow as wide as we could. And then we can start to see what is more popular, uh, and you know, tailor our marketing towards uh, the things that are really moving. Mm -hmm. um, popular things right now. Uh, are always in the graphic design, uh, logos, branding, yeah. uh, gaming's big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we do a lot of translation as well, which is fantastic mm -hmm. uh, because we're an Arabic platform. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a lot of Arabic and English. Yeah. Um, so there's a real, real need out there in the marketplace for it. Mm -hmm. um, and the the the, uh, the site uh, it runs in both languages, doesn't it? So. Yeah, but it's a true Arabic platform, um, which might sound a bit weird. Um, but we don't do Google Translate, so you can't flip our page sure. and just have it magically uh, appear into, you know, mm. a half-badly mm. translated yes. site. <laughs> um, we put the effort into the Arabic. It's very important to us. So mm -hmm. if you only want to load a, a gig or a skill in Arabic, you do so mm -hmm. uh, and communicate on the platform in Arabic. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to do it in English, you do it in English. And if you have multi-lingual uh, skills, then it'll appear on the flip, so in English and in Arabic. Okay, okay. Um you say technology is fundamentally altering uh, the traditional employee-employer relationship and that flexibility is the new workplace currency, career experience being more important than the career ladder. I wonder if you can expand a little bit on that. Yeah, sure. Let's take it back to the start. Um, when we were thinking about going out and, and building the Maharati platform, we wanted to, as always, try and solve some issues. Mm -hmm. And we came up with three issues which we were thought were so closely tied together um, that they became this sort of super – uh, issue that we could really build a business on. And the first thing was education. Mm -hmm. There's this huge skills gap between what's being taught in the education system um, versus what's available in the real marketplace. Mm -hmm. And what's required. And yeah. what's required. So mm -hmm. businesses have needs um, where um, they have needs to fulfill and they've got jobs, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but they can't place people in those jobs because of skills. And it starts in the education system. Um, it's easy to blame education. It's easy to blame mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's neither of those things. It's just the technology is evolving faster than skills can be taught. Sure, yeah. You know, there's uh, data out there that says, I'm not sure if you've got kids, but if you have a five-year-old child, in 14 years' time when they can typically take a, a workplace position, mm -hmm. three quarters of those positions don't exist yet. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, 33% of jobs in 2020 don't exist yet. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's very hard to find a pathway to teach what doesn't exist. So how, how when you get companies coming to you looking for a certain set of skills that are not being taught, how do the people who have these skills gain them? Yeah, so what we do is we say education is our first thing. And what do youth need? They need portfolios, right? They need to be able to give them a, a marketplace where they can try things mm -hmm. uh, in comfort, without risk, um, and to learn some of those soft skills that are probably going to help differentiate them mm -hmm. in this automated you know, world yeah. that's, that's here and, and coming. 
Um, so at the education level, it's more about building a portfolio. There's 2 billion youth in the world, all relatively learning the same things, mm -hmm. the same skills. Mm -hmm. So we see Maharati as that platform where they can try, um, you know, young entrepreneurs yeah. find the passion yeah. uh, and of course earn money. Let's not forget a Maharati is about putting money in yeah, people's absolutely. pockets. It's, it's, yeah, um, people working for, for, for a, a payment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the second thing was we were looking at both the workforce and the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the workplace now has changed dramatically. Mm. When I was, you know, a young lad, I went to the office and yeah, had sure. an address <laughs> Tell me uh, about it. <laughs> and everything, yeah. you know, it was that, that same sort of thing. Whereas yeah. now you've got digital nomads, technology has made everything borderless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you look at some of these, uh, people living these lifestyles and they're doing digital marketing online. They're doing social networking mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and they live in the most beautiful places in yeah. the world. Yeah. Uh, and technology has made that, that, that yeah. happen. Do you think, um, Therefore, the onus on on uh, younger people who may be um, in in education not receiving uh, as they generally don't those specific skills uh, that may be looked for within two to three years. Do you think the onus is on them then maybe to really implement uh, self education uh, programs outside of the the standard school? Yeah, I think that a term you're going to hear a lot in the next three to five years is reskilling mm. uh, at. The youth age, it's skilling. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, learning the the things that you think are gonna you need. In in our bracket, in in our generations, it's more about a reskilling as the technology evolves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you look at things like blockchain didn't exist, you know, two or three years sure. ago. Yeah. There was no university degree that you could go into yeah. and become a blockchain expert. So, do do you think uh, that there could there are situations possibly forthcoming or even now whereby um, people have have upskilled themselves? to such an extent that they can offer services that you're not aware of or businesses even are not aware of uh, that they might in fact need? Look, we see it already on the platform. So we have um, our buyers and sellers and obviously on the buyer side, it's individuals, businesses, startups, SMEs, mm -hmm. you know, it's whole range of uh, potential opportunity. They come to us and say, uh, hey, Maharati, um, we're trying to create a customer request for this job skill, but you don't have it. Right. And we're like, oh, okay. And off we go to Google and was like, oh, what's this about? Um, you know, we own the platform. We built it ourselves from scratch mm -hmm. so we can be very agile in creating you know, these new categories and subcategories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's super cool. I think um, you know, the, the Maharaji platform will just expand naturally and organically as mm -hmm. those skills mm -hmm. um, develop. You know, I love reading these sort of futuristic, you know, predictions about the top five skills you're going to need, yeah. you know, by 2020 or 2025. Um, and, you know, it's going to be an exciting place to be. Yeah, yeah. And do you think um, the, the UAE is is, is particularly well-placed, or, or in fact the GCC in general, but the UAE in particular is particularly well-placed um, to, to enable that growth and to, and to enable those newly upskilled people to access uh, businesses um, fast? I think the GCC is doing so, so much. And again, they have... Um, this uncanny ability to be very agile, to act mm. very fast. Yeah. Uh, I think things like if you look at the traditional freelancer in the the UAE particular, particularly that's all changing now. It's cheaper to get a license. Mm -hmm. um, the laws uh, are there for protection because it's a new uh, area in a freelancing in the digital workplace space is very new. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to say the gig economy on demand contingent workplace, which is, you know, the Ubers, the Koreans, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm, Deliveroo's, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're well known have been here for, for years. Yeah. Um, and so they're, you know, they're, they're less controlled. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the GCC is, is really well placed mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. adapt um, and localize. I think that's an yeah. important thing. Yeah. And we do take a lot of ideas and initiatives from the global landscape. 
Um, some work, uh, obviously, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Some don't. And I think the ones that don't really just don't get the idea of becoming um, a local business, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is why we made Maharati straight from the uh, from the outset to uh, an Arabic platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the point of view of, of, of gig economy uh, and uh, the perceptions thereof, um, certainly in the UK and I guess to a certain extent in the US, the, the term has very negative connotations. Um uh, certainly with, with regards to how it's reported in the media. What's different here? So let, let's go back a little bit. Um, you know, 30, let's take the US. It's the biggest mm. market the UK followed behind in terms of the gig economy. Um, you know, the gig economy has been around for a, a while. It's had some false starts and some some flaws, I think, inherently. Um, and it's primarily around these businesses, these huge businesses, uh, Airbnb, Ubers, Karims, that don't have any inventory uh, and therefore in some cases no actual responsibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the workplace gig economy, it's it's a little different. We we are literally just a platform that connects buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, sellers can set their own uh, pricing. So we're, we're not a cheap platform. If you believe your skill set is worth $5, then you charge $5. If you believe your skill set is worth $1,000, then you charge mm-hmm. $1,000. We don't say you must fit in this block. Okay. So okay. from our so, side, it's so a little when, different. when a business looks at the site and they go, I need somebody to do this, and they, they see you, I presume they see you, whoever's available, and they will be placed by that individual what they will work for. Yeah, so we set up these gigs which are, are structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gig tells the buyer exactly what they're going to get. We have a platform where they can communicate directly uh, in case that they need clarification or mm-hmm. in case they need an uplift on the gig itself. Yeah. You know, looking for a logo, but I also wouldn't mind some you know envelopes yeah. um, printed. Yeah. And so yeah. you can combine those things. Um, we have a uh, we, we don't have any minimums, any maximums. Um, so you really set your own budget, mm-hmm. and it's great for businesses because then businesses on any budget. Can, can use the platform. And again, sure. we wanted to make it super inclusive. Mm-hmm. If you're a startup with five bucks in your pocket, you can get something done on, of quality in Maharati. Yeah. Okay. If you're a multinational looking for, you know, 10 people to help out on a White Friday sale for loading and Arabic translations, then you can come to the platform and mm-hmm. use exactly the same. And what, what, I mean, Maharati, as you say, set up earlier this year, what areas, if any, do you see as being com- competition for Maharati? Look, there's the competitive global landscape is mm. is there. Um, we're pitching as a regional business. Um, you know, the, our universities are brimming full of talent, yeah. um, and we also have um, you know more localized issues like unemployment or underemployment, which is a huge issue affecting the, the world. Mm. And thirty to forty five percent of the working age population is either inactive. Mm unemployed or underemployed globally globally here locally youth make up the highest amount of that Mm. 51 percent um and again we 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 see we can help that yeah Uh, and again if you talk about how we founded maharati we're looking to really make some changes in real life Mm -hmm. increase the workforce participation rate in the region and reduce unemployment or increase uh, activity yeah. globally. Yeah. yeah, and open uh, up more opportunities. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's exciting. There's nothing exactly like us in the regional landscape. Mm-hmm. So we think we've got a really great opportunity to, to establish mm-hmm. ourselves, put some deep roots down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's fantastic for us is we're already a global platform. We're, we're founded here in the UAE, which is fantastic, yeah. but we're already in 130 countries. Right. Um, so the rapid uptake, you know, it really is a global phenomenon. Yeah. Um, rooted here in the UAE, which is fantastic. Yeah. Okay, finally, Greg, I wonder if uh, I can ask you this question. If you had to pick but one skill that's upcoming 
to uh, to put, let's say, all the money in the bank. You have all five bucks on it. Uh, what do you think it would be in the next three years that's going to be the big one to have? Oh, look, I'd be tempted to put all my money into something around security, uh, whether that's in you know security of uh, artificial intelligence or robots or just physical security wrapped around hard devices. Mm-hmm. Um, As know, in technological security yep, yeah, so rather te- than a man in a suit. Yeah, rather than a man in a suit, um, you know, the, the skill set is already in demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you think about the future with all this automation coming, um, you know, hacking into autonomous vehicles, um, take security to, to a whole yeah. new level. Yeah. And I think um, the listeners out there, if you're young and uh, have some time and want to uh, get skilled, yeah, security is a good way to be. Okay. Greg Hooker, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. thanking Chris Nelson there and uh, Greg Hucker with whom he was in conversation with and also earlier in the show uh, Sermon Khan our companies and markets editor all that remains to thank our producer Kevin Jeffers and to thank you audience for listening to us uh, as we head into 2019 I wish you a very happy new year